Welcome to Blind Date with Knowledge. This is a weekly half-hour talk show featuring Queen's University researchers and scholars. The show is a platform for Queen's researchers to discuss the significance to and benefits of their research on everyday lives. I'm Barry Kaplan, the show's host. Blind Date with Knowledge is broadcast on CFRC Radio, 101.9 FM, Campus and Community, Queen's Radio in Kingston. We're located in Carruthers Hall. All the episodes of Blind Date with Knowledge are available at the CFRC website or the Queen's University Research website at queensu.ca slash research. In this episode, I'll be discussing some of Dr. Joseph Bramante's research in astroparticle physics. Let me provide a little biographical background on Dr. Bramante. Dr. Joseph Bramante is an assistant professor at Queen's in the Department of Physics engineering physics, and astronomy. He is also a visiting fellow at the Perimeter Institute and a member of the new Arthur B. MacDonald Canadian Astroparticle Physics Research Institute. His research focuses on constructing theories that describe fundamental physics and finding new ways for humans to test those theories. He held postdoctoral fellowships at the Perimeter Institute and the University of Notre Dame, and received his doctorate from the University of Hawaii for work on dark particles and primordial perturbations. As an undergraduate at St. Lawrence College, he completed and published research on atmospheric aerosol particles. Hi, Joseph. Uh, Thank you for being on Blind Date with Knowledge. Thank you very much for having me. Well, let's let's start with... uh, with your relationship with the Arthur B. MacDonald Canadian Astroparticle Physics Research Institute. What is that, and how does it relate to your research? Sure. The Arthur B. MacDonald Canadian Astroparticle Physics Research Institute is a network or hub of a bunch of uh, faculty, uh, research scientists, graduate students, and postdocs all across Canada whose central aim is to make new discoveries and uh, advance the frontier of knowledge when it comes to uh, astroparticle, astrophysical, and particle uh, science. And what is this? What is particle science? Uh, so, in, in this case, particle science, uh, we're we're I would say at, at its core, trying to uh, uncover or shed some light on some of the mysteries of nature. Primarily, things like what is the nature of dark matter, what are the properties of neutrinos, uh, uh, and uh, if we get really lucky, you know, we'll have some new knowledge about what the fundamental theory and structure of the universe is. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that in, in more detail with dark matter and the neutrinos and what these things are, what your experiments are, how you came to that? Sure. So um, I guess I came to that because at any point in time as a theoretical physicist, you try to tackle the outstanding yet seemingly solvable problems. And right now, um, what the nature of dark matter is um, beyond something that seems to bind together galaxies and uh, that was responsible for setting the fundamental structure or uh, rather the the first perturbations of the early universe. Um, uh, That's what brought me to the study of dark matter is is that it's one of these uh, mysteries uh, that uh, right now could be solved with some good theoretical physics work. Um, uh, to give a concrete example, maybe, of how uh, my theoretical physics work interfaces with uh, Snow Lab. Uh, and tell us what Snow Lab is. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, of course. 
and, uh, and and some of the experiments there. So Snow Lab is an underground facility. Um, uh, it's uh, extremely state of the art in, in that. Sudbury. Is that it's thing? in Sudbury. Right. That's right. Um, so it's the uh, yeah Sudbury Neutrino Observatory. Um, so uh, now it actually also looks for dark matter. Um, and uh, Snow Lab uh, is a, a set of uh, dark matter and neutrino physics experiments. Primarily, what they do is they have. Uh, uh, large volume detectors that are deep underground. And these detectors look for uh, particles that typically don't interact very much, like neutrinos or dark matter. Although, to be honest, we don't really know how much dark matter interacts because we haven't detected it yet. Um, so my work uh, uh, is sort of thinking about what fundamental theories um, are being searched for at these experiments and what fundamental theories aren't being searched for and then how we could possibly search for them. So to give a really concrete example of that, uh, this year I've been looking into theories of extremely heavy dark matter. So right now we tend to look for dark matter that's about the mass of a proton uh, or something like a thousand times the mass of the proton. But I've looked into uh, particles that are uh, a trillion, trillion times the mass of the proton. Um, and these actually are particles that would show up in theories of nature where all the fundamental forces of nature, so uh, electromagnetism, gravity, the weak force, uh, the strong force that binds nuclei together, would unify at uh, very high energies. So it's that very high energy set, scale that sets the, this mass scale of something like um, uh, a billion trillion proton masses and uh, in, in roughly in that range. So um, the fun thing is that uh, that sort of dark matter would look quite a bit different to these detectors, uh, namely um, PICO or super CDMS uh, that are sitting and looking for dark matter underground. Uh, instead of only scattering once in the detector, something like uh, if you think about scattering uh, between the dark matter and nuclei as scattering between, um, uh, let's say, uh, balls on a billiard table, um, what they're looking for is for uh, sort of the black dark matter billiard ball to come in and just hit maybe one billiard ball. But actually, what you expect in most dark matter theories is that most of the dark matter passes through the detector without knocking into anything. So most of the black bowling ball, uh, black billiard balls go through, and, and they actually do nothing. Um, I'm interested, I'm not sure I understood what when you were saying scattering. Is yeah. the nature of the experiments that you're doing up in Sudbury, uh, are you are you doing something with these subatomic particles where you're launching them into a, a cluster and they're exploding? Or no. are you just sort of monitoring what's out there in the universe already? That's a great question. Yeah, we're monitoring what's out there in the universe already. So um, we think we understand what the the density of dark matter is in our local environment. And so we're just looking for... A particle, and we don't know its size, which is part of what my research is accentuating at this moment. Um, so we're waiting for such a particle to pass through the detector and knock into um, uh, one of the atoms or atomic nuclei, actually. Yeah. So I'm trying to get a picture yeah. in my mind, right? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm a non-scientist. Sure. So is there a person sort of sitting at a console and looking at this like oscilloscope kind of a thing and seeing a waveform, or like what? What's the nature of the work? Uh, essentially, yes. Although you know, you don't want to uh, make the grad students suffer too much, <laughs> so. Uh, you uh, record the data and then you go back through it. Um, and one of the major problems is backgrounds because actually there are 
many things around us that go bump in the night, so to speak, uh, all sorts of nuclear decays and weak processes, creating particles, smashing to other particles uh, at a rate much higher than you'd necessarily expect from dark matter. Uh, and so controlling those backgrounds and understanding what's going on with those experiments is something that the experimentalists spend a, a lot of uh, effort and uh, have extraordinary technical expertise um, to, to tackle. Um, but, uh, right, yeah. That's, that's, that's. And is the, is the is the analysis part uh, right? So actually, getting back to the analysis part. So I mean, when they think about what dark matter looks like, what they've been thinking about is that you know, uh, essentially, it looks like one bump in that waveform, if you will. They could actually be reading things out in terms of waveforms. Uh, what the sort of dark matter I've shown could exist, and that they should also look for, would look like is a ton of bumps. So instead of like just a, a pool ball hitting into one. Uh, other pool ball on a billiard table. It'd be more like if you filled the entire billiard ball table with uh, styrofoam packing peanuts and you rolled a bowling ball through. And this is actually what uh, this new sort of dark matter that we're calling MIMPs or multiply interacting massive particles instead of WIMPs, which are weakly interacting <laughs> massive particles. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that, that's, that's sort of what they would do. Um, so th that's just an example of uh, what a theorist can do to um, sort of uh, help these experiments maximize their capacity for finding dark matter. You have to essentially consider all the possibilities. Uh, you know, the process of theorizing and the process of developing the research design is, is it's obviously from discipline to discipline is, is different. And I think with theoretical physics, and probably a lot of people hold this view, it's, it's like really theoretical, it's really abstract. And one of the things in your particular case is I think very interesting, and I, we haven't talked about this yet, is that in your background, you have a music and philosophy background. Is that, is that right? That's correct. So, yeah. so talk a little bit about that. And how did you get from music and philosophy to physics? And is there a relationship? Does your background in music and philosophy help your theorizing in physics? So... Yeah, I studied mostly philosophy, music, and uh, some formal math uh, early on in my undergraduate career. And actually, it wasn't until my junior or third year of undergrad that I switched over to physics. At the time, I was really interested in modern music composition, where they play a lot, around a lot with frequencies and tonal systems. And I, I realized that some uh, physics knowledge of uh, waveforms and ratios between them uh, would, would be a great benefit. And so I took a physics class, and in the physics class, I learned about quantum mechanics and uh, what I found amazing about quantum mechanics is that uh, you really have to develop some sort of internal intuition for it that's completely separate from you know, the physical intuition you, you have from everyday life. And so uh, in that moment of you know, fashioning some in internal knowledge uh, of quantum mechanics, you're engaging in a creative process. And I think that actually pulled me in. And from there, I started doing research on the structure of uh, atmospheric particles as an undergrad, um, using X-ray fine structure spectroscopy. Um, and then I just got sucked in from there. Um, now, as to whether music and philosophy in, in form, I, uh, what I do, I think there, there's no question that they absolutely do. Um, but how to exactly um, quantify that, I think, would be a, something that's kind of difficult. Uh, um, but yes, I think uh, a lot of sort of the big picture thinking and the re-examination of first principles that you do in philosophy um, has definitely helped when I try to engage with theoretical physics and break things down to their components and find uh, aspects of physical structure that haven't been considered yet. Right, yeah. right. Well, one of the one of the purposes of this show, one of the themes of this show, is the serendipity aspect of the research process mm -hmm. that at that and that the person 
reality, the interests, the, the circumstances that are the context that the researcher works in influence the way the research unfolds. So your particular background is particularly interesting and, and unique and different from, from some other people. So Blind Date with Knowledge is broadcast on CFRC Radio, 101.9 FM, Campus and Community, Queen's Radio in Kingston. We're located in Carruthers Hall. All the episodes of Blind Date with Knowledge are available on the CFRC website or the Queen's University Research website at queensu.ca slash research. I close out each episode of Blind Date with Knowledge by asking my guests to tell us a joke, recite a short poem or quotation, or reference a song related to their research or personal motivation. So Joseph, the microphone is yours. Okay, great. So for my quote, uh, I wanted to quote something uh a bit on the stranger side from Isaac Newton, and this is from his treatise on optics. And at the end, he has a quote that goes like this. And since space is infinitely divisible and matter is not necessarily in all places, it may be also allowed that the creator is able to create particles of matter of several sizes and figures and in several pro- proportions to space and perhaps of different densities and forces, and thereby to vary the laws of nature and make worlds of several sorts in several parts of the universe. At least I see nothing of contradiction in all this. And what's very interesting about this quote to me is that it's Isaac Newton saying uh, it wouldn't be really cool if the forces of nature and everything we understand about how physical reality works uh, change depending on where you are in space and time. Uh, Relativity. uh, Something like, yeah, relativity. But um, uh, even more fundamental than that, what what if like the masses of all the particles changed as I moved from one point in space to another point in space? Wow. And this is actually extremely prescient in the sense that uh, uh, the treatise on optics laid out Uh, all these experimental methods that allowed us to tackle nature and understand it. Uh, But this is the sort of question that started to crop up now, especially after after the discovery of the Higgs boson, um, that that we still don't quite know how to deal with. And that last part of the quote, uh, at least I see nothing of contradiction in all this, is uh, to my mind, Isaac Newton saying, okay, this could be, this could happen, but how do I make any sense of this, especially if I can't go to that place that the masses are different? And uh, that that is actually something that's uh, being tackled right now. And uh, that, that... really motivates me because if we make any progress on, on, on moving towards an understanding of that in my lifetime, I'll be extremely happy. Thank you very much, Joseph. Um, my guest in this episode of Blind Date with Knowledge has been Dr. Joseph Permonti, assistant professor at Queen's in the Department of Physics, Engineering Physics, and Astronomy. If you have a question about anything related to research that you'd like discussed by our guests, Or if you have comments about today's conversation with Joseph, please email me, Barry Kaplan, at bdwk at cfrc.ca. Thank you very much for tuning in. This show is produced in collaboration with CFRC at Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario, with infrastructure support from Queen's Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Find more great podcasts at podcasts.cfrc.ca.